0: I just want to welcome all of you, and um, what a joy and a privilege to uh, be able to encounter each other uh, through this media. You know, the only uh, thing better than this is uh, the chance to have been able to see you in fa- uh, face-to-face, uh, in person, and be able to hold your hand and to hug you, but. We all know the circumstances that we all live under right now that uh, make that difficult. We long for heaven, uh, you know, where all these barriers will be lifted and we will get a chance to, um, to uh, be able to uh, live in each other's presence perpetually and in the presence of God. Um, let me ask you all to bow your heads with me and uh, for the time we're going to be spending together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for the faith handed to us. Thank you for Christ who has secured this precious faith in with such a very high price. Lord, we pray that this time together will encourage and warm each other's heart and give us the strength we need so that daily we will live lives that glorify you in speak about you as we go about our business, relieving human suffering, which is your business too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, without further uh, preamble, I'm just going to go straight to the conversation. I'm David Touré, by the way, and um, um, I'm currently sharing my time between Rochester, Minnesota, and I do come to Loma Linda once every, every other month or so. And i uh, um, when I'm not doing this, um, I do trauma surgery. And um, and so it's a joy to receive you. I have a sense that uh, the names that I'm seeing on the screen are people that are in one way or in another interested in uh, healthcare. And uh, this is more of a conversation. And um, this is not a sermon. This is me wanting to share with you um, what my life has looked like for the last few years and the things that I've been privileged to experience in the hope that this will encourage you. God has only you and I to look up to. Angels will not do this work. You and I have been given a wonderful privilege to do this work. You might be in, you know, we might be in different phases of our ministry. Some may be starting, some have already been on this path for a while. Some have been beat down a bit, you know, with life and its challenges. And some probably just are wondering whether, you know, what yes. is God gonna do with my life? I just had the privilege yesterday of working with a fine young Adventist medical student uh, who is part of the Mayor Medical School. And, uh, you know, he says, you know, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. I said, well, you've already taken the first step and that is to step in this path and say, I want to be part of God's arm to, relieve human suffering. So in the next few moments, we're going to have together, I want to just talk about, I've titled this talk Broken Sisters" because that's how I feel about what I do. It's, it's woefully inadequate to, to really address immense needs. Uh, yet, I com- I'm convicted every day that even in that brokenness, God is still wanting to meet us there as broken as we are, as broken of a system that we partake of, God in his mercy is still looking for people who are humble enough to allow his grace to work through them. And so I will share uh, a thing or two about my take on where we are as, you know, as a national global system. And and I'll also compare it with what it was in Jesus' uh, day and and then I'll, Comment on the things that I've come to admire about um, this woman we don't know her name uh, but with an audacity to do what she did and reach out and seek healing um, and, and then I'll end uh, essentially with you know with uh, with an appeal that the door is wide open uh, for you and for uh, and for you and for me to continue to be that instrument in god's hands. To uh, fulfill his mission, so uh, these are some of the things that Scripture recorded that Jesus had to deal with. So there was fever; we don't know the source of the fever. Um, People that were mute, and some were blind, uh, some were paralyzed. We don't know. um, um, We don't know the uh, the the challenges uh, uh, that led to that paralysis. But uh, in some of lepers, and, and then we know of a lady that was just known as she was infirm, and she had an issue. That was uh, another phrase uh, used uh, by one of the uh, writers of, uh, of the gospel. But this chapter doesn't look a whole lot different um, than what you and I inherit. In fact, uh, in Old Testament times, things like boils were mentioned. I you know, I happen to be in a profession where that is uh, almost a daily occurrence. And so we are still dealing with the same things that they were dealing with uh, well over 2,000 years ago. Well. And here was their understanding of what they believed to be the source of human suffering and human woe. And for that time, and frankly, even for today, there may be some truth uh, to some of this. Obviously, science is advanced enough now that we can understand um, physiology. We can understand what happens when uh, God's beautiful creation has uh, been been uh, warped, uh, sometimes due to habit of ours, sometimes due to no fault of ours. And uh, but disease in the, in the days of Christ was looked upon as maybe you know demon possession, or maybe it was a moral failure. You just were not. You know, keeping the moral law and, um, um, and some viewed it as, well, this is just a consequence of the fall. You know, we inherited genes. that were faulty genes that were prone to lead us to disease. And that kind of sounds like what you and I deal with on a, on a regular basis. People everywhere tell me, well, I was born like this. And, uh, you know, I have this condition. I was born like this. Uh, and everyone trying to look for something other than maybe our choices to blame for uh, some of the malady that uh, now affects us. Or the the other theory was, this was God's retribution for things that either you did wrong or your family did wrong generations before you, which is probably the one that I have had plenty of time to think about because Um, In my day-to-day work, I've seen it as my own personal mission to dismiss that spell. God does not wish for any of his children to be diseased. In fact, he says, above all things, I wish for you to prosper and be in good health. So most of that ideology was borrowed from the world around them. This is uh, Asclepius' The uh, Greek patron god of medicine. You can see him there uh, with his staff and a serpent around it. Um, you know, the, a lot has been made about the association of ser- a serpent, and if you've seen the, the current medical um, symbol, uh, it is two serpents. Uh, oh, that has had multitudes of interpretation. But the Greeks, at some point, looked upon the serpent was looked upon as some mystical healing feature may be borrowed from the days of the children of Israel, um, when God asked Moses to raise a serpent or raise a raise a, a symbol of the serpent, and so that all uh, can look up to it and receive healing if they were bitten uh, by by serpents in the desert. But it's also looked upon as you know the the the, the serpent uh, shed its skin every now and then. Um, that was also thought to be a symbol of regeneration. And uh, and so the Greeks look upon that as part of you know part of part of um, the myth behind uh, this uh, figure of uh, Asclepius. And in fact, uh, the closest things known to uh, that will maybe uh, come close to looking like modern day hospitals, were uh, the Asclepians. Um, these were abodes that were removed from human habitation where sick people will go. Uh, Occasionally, some of these folks will be taught some remedies uh, that will help them. But essentially, this was an asylum where people that were sick were uh, sent to. In Jesus' days, lepers were withdrawn from society and not allowed to interact with the normal society. And that was the best um, medicine can offer that at that time. If you're ill, you are removed from human habitation to spend the rest of your life in disease and suffering. Think about that. You know, Think about that for a minute. At the most vulnerable time of your life, when you need someone to be there with you, when you're aching and you need somebody to help you, um, when you can't sleep at night and you need someone to be beside you to comfort you, Imagine the best we could have uh, is to banish you from all human abode. Think about that for just a minute. But that's what we had. Here, here is a replica of an ear. Uh, supposedly this, uh, this was, uh, this was uh, excavated in Greece and thought to be from um, someone by the name of Flavia Secunda that she had dedicated this replica of the ear uh, carved out in bronze because she felt healed when she was at one of these uh, Asclepians. But that was all that we had to offer humanity. And that is the kind of scen- the scenario that Jesus stepped into. Let me just read this quote for uh, from you, uh, for you from, uh, taken from uh, um, uh, Gary Fargren. While physicians apply therapies that were informed by Galenic medicine their therapies may not have been appreciably, their, their therapies may not have differed appreciably from those of monks who were well informed about medical theory and skills in offering care. Hence, one might be hard pressed in certain instances to distinguish the treatment provided by an experienced caregiver from that prescribed by a physician. That was what a doctor was able to do. What a doctor was able to do back in those days is not any different from what essentially charlatan anywhere else can provide. And that was the scene that Jesus has lived in. Not a whole lot different from what you and I have inherited and perhaps even maybe in a magnified scale. I have a radiologist friend who we had this conversation once and I was mentioning just my perplexity at, uh, this is just when COVID struck. And just the immense challenge we're dealing with what we were, you know, what we're dealing with. Everything that we knew was completely disrupted. Everyone lived in fear. And to this day, we haven't recovered from that. When I meet people now, I have no idea what I should do. Should I shake their hands? Should I bow my head? Should I? And it's just a very awkward encounter, you know, when I, when I meet people these days. And it's just, it's just unlike us. And that's just not the way I think God wanted us to be. But anyway, I was sharing with him my frustration with just how things like this, that are just well beyond our ability to deal with, uh, are showing up in a much more frequent manner uh, in California now. You know, wildfires everywhere and, and just disasters in nature that are of magnitude that are very, very difficult to comprehend, let alone have the true ability to deal with. And he says, well, you know, these things have been around for a very long time. And in fact, what I wanna tell you is that science has really advanced to a point now where I think we could deal with a lot of these things. And <laughs> I'm thinking uh, maybe you and I are watching different things. Maybe our perspective coming into this is very different, but I certainly feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed with what I do on a regular basis because um, um, the, the sheer magnitude of what we have to deal with is, uh, you know it's just it's just if this continues on this on this trajectory it will be very difficult for humanity as a whole to deal with so we may be advanced in scientific knowledge more than 2000 years ago, but the problems are more compounded now and therefore In my estimation, I think we end up in the very same way. I just put a a graph here for you. This is despite genetic uh, therapies, this is uh, monoclonal antibodies, and and don't get me wrong, a lot of people have benefited from a lot of these remedies, but that has not changed our trajectory of uh, cancer incidence and even cancer mortality. That is projected to continue to rise. And pick another illness, diabetes. Uh, uh, in, com- you know, in concert with hypertension, responsible for a lot of the woes that we treat around the world, from organ failures to amputations to, you know, to um, to heart attacks, to you know, just those two maladies that affect millions of people are single-handedly responsible for just crippling. And the projections are, we will still continue to spend a lot of money trying to take care of this this kind of problem you know I, I had a mentor in uh, in medical school uh, who was here to me uh, uh, an adventist uh, a physician himself he will say to me David um, <laughs> what are you gonna do I said well I'm contemplating surgery he says have you really really thought about this because um, God has given uh, a job to the heathen to do and that is to to do the amputations and do the bypasses and do the, uh, you know, and do the transplants and the graftings and things like that. Uh, I think there's some truth to what he has to say, but uh, hopefully when I get to the end of this talk, I may be able to convince you that even though you and I found ourselves in the middle of what perhaps is all but really heathen medicine, I think God still has a purpose for us and he still can find ways to use what you and I have uh, for his own purpose. And this is just to really point out to you that not only is this uh, a formidable challenge in terms of lives, uh, the cost of lives, and 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 mobility, but even investment from government resources is is off the chart. This is um, this is uh, um, exp- This is from the uh, congressional Bu- uh, budget from two thousand eighteen. About a quarter of all proceeds from this is all the, the goods and services put forward by our economy. Nearly a quarter of that is now spent in just keeping you and I well. Just think about that for a minute. More than what's spent on education, more than what's spent on paying pensioners, pensioners, And that number is projected to go up and go up and go up. The disease of the modern age were still plaguing uh, uh, generations uh, ago, war, famine, ignorance. You and I don't consider those diseases, but those are equally challenging problems. If for nothing else, they leave behind a trail of death and disease. And here is uh, a picture of a lady that I ran into in one of my, uh, my running to and fro. Uh, you can see multiple marks there on her abdominal wall. And she had had um, intermittent bowel obstruction for almost two and a half years. And every time she seeks help from the local healer, um, they will make a couple more marks on her abdomen uh, because they were were convinced that uh, they needed to let the bad humors come out of her belly and, uh, and uh, she struggled with us for well over two years, and eventually she and I had a chance to meet each other in Southern Africa, and uh, we took her to surgery, and she had a bowel obstruction. But ignorance is equal a disease because, if for nothing else, it keeps us in a trap that prevents us from understanding all that God has in store for us and the blessings that he's longing to give to us. So ignorance is a disease. This is what uh, the Spirit of Prophecy penned um, well over a century ago now. The deception of sin has reached its height. All the, this is from Deserve Ages, page 36. All the agencies of, for depraving the souls of men had been put into operation. The Son of God looking upon the world beheld suffering and misery. With pity, he saw how men had become victims of satanic cruelty. He looked with compassion upon those who had been corrupted, murdered, and lost. They had chosen a ruler, that's the devil, who chained them to his car as captives. Bewildered and deceived, they were moving on in gloomy procession to what eternal ruin, to death in which is no hope of life, to what night, to which comes no morning. If that is not enough to make you feel sad about the state of our affairs, I don't know what else is. But this is reading just like it was written yesterday in the Chicago Street. That's exactly what it's written at. People possessed by influences other than themselves, people driven to the brink, their health compromised, their minds tainted. Their hearts corrupted, and the enemy of this world uh, has full power over them. That's the world that you and I have to step into on a daily basis and interact with. And therefore, there there is work for you and I to do. Jesus stepped into this kind of world 2,000 years ago. I am just trying to finish now this very wonderful
1: book, Desarve Ages*. And as I read it again, I was struck by a few things. Jesus may have had a hard time being accepted by some of us if he was to show up today. Think of
0: it The rabbi saw him as a nobody. Where are you from? He's He's not affiliated or related to any clan that means anything worthwhile. He was just seen as this Galilean that was raised by a carpenter. He did not go to the schools that were considered the schools of the elite back in those days. He didn't go to Harvard, he didn't go to Yale, he didn't go to any of these other places that hold names today that sways uh, society's population. I mean, society's minds. He was very ordinary if you looked at him. In fact, Isaiah 30, 53 uh, verses two and three says, if you saw him, he did not look, he didn't have anything that will really attract you to him. He did not have the marks of royalty, or well, at least what you and I today will consider the marks of royalty. His form was not anything to be desired. His appearance was very ordinary. And what struck me even more importantly was the challenges he had conforming to what the religious class thought anyone coming as a religious teacher has to look like this. For one, he was always, uh, you know, giving the rabbis uh, a run for their money and uh, in telling them, you know, the things that they were doing wrong. And, you know, his, even his own family, his brothers and sisters wish he got along with the rabbis, because that was, the, that was what you needed to do to be accepted and to be loved by the class, uh, uh, the religious class of his day. And he just did not really have any part, didn't want any part of that. In fact, he spent a lot of his time rebuking and chastising them. And... In the 49th chapter, he even skipped out on some of the feasts that were considered, if nothing else. He's got to know that it is very important to show up at some of these religious feasts, feasts. Because every Jew, even if they were far away in far lands, will have to travel just to be there for this feast. Well, certainly if he's the son of God, he's got to be part of these feasts. And in some of these occasions... He just outright skipped. I just wondered whether if he was to show up today with these same characteristics, whether some of us might even recognize him if he walked into the church. That is a thought that has plagued me all the time. This is the scenario that he stepped into. But it's our same Jesus
1: that brought in
0: the healing touch that a lot of people were marveled marvel at. See in the gospels. They recorded 37. Miracles that Jesus performed. He performed a lot more. That was never recorded. But of the recorded miracles. 37 were performed. Of those 37. 28 of those. Had to do. With. Some kind of healing. Or raising from the dead. Which to me is the ultimate healing. And that's the healing that you and I look forward to if we should sleep before he comes back.
1: 28 out of 37, Jesus was more than a doctor. How did he go about his business? He touched people, the physical touch.
0: As I lament with you earlier in this conversation, it, it, it pains me that I cannot do it as I really would have loved to do it. But God's touch, Jesus' touch was not just a casual touch. It wasn't just a touch and then you forget about the individual that you were touching and moving on. But it was a touch with purpose. Those hands that fashioned the earth, the universe, reaching out to touch people with intention, intention to heal, intention to lift up, intention to encourage. Is it possible that he's looking to you and me today to extend that same touch that he had? Is it possible that the only way he's going to reach out to people that are hurting and looking up to heaven for solutions is through you and I? He did that by also just speaking
1: to them. One thing that I have to contend
0: with in my adult life, especially with my chosen profession, is the lack of time. (laughs) I struggle with this. I don't know if you relate to that. There just doesn't seem to be enough time in the day.
1: 24 hours doesn't seem like it
0: doesn't feel like it's enough. There is just so much to be done within a short time. And so what we do, we just skip on things and summarize things and move on. And because there's another thing to do and another thing to do, Jesus stopped and spoke and counseled and taught and corrected people's actions and lift them up and encouraged them. The gift of speaking. What a gift that he wants to hand over to you and I, so that we can use it for his ministry. In fact, he used
1: things that um, were not very usual. Two stories that drew my attention. One in the book of Mark, chapter 9.
0: He meets a man that's blind, and then there's this dialogue. Well, whose fault is it? You know, is it him? Is it his dad, his grandpa? And he said, no, it's, it's none of these people. But well, that the grace of God or the power of God might be manifested. But what drew me to this story was also the method that Jesus used. Imagine him reaching down to the earth,
1: spitting on the clay, mixing it up,
0: rubbing it on his eyes and said, I want you to go wash off your face. And this is where you need to go do it. And you will see again. I've always wondered what that meant. I don't know about you.
1: Some said, well,
0: by so doing, he was trying to bring us back to our humble origins. That you and I will fashion from the clay, from the dirt. Got knelt down, put dirt together, and breathe into it the breath of life. He was just trying to illustrate that principle. And some said, well, maybe back in those days, people believed very much in healing properties of saliva.
1: Maybe that's why I did it.
0: I don't think we'll ever know. And um the true the true meaning behind it and one thing about his methods were if you read through them very carefully none of them were ever the same there was always a slight difference between one and the other the other time he used saliva it was a very different scenario put his ears into the man's ears spit on his tongue and and to release his ears and and his and his tongue it's uh I don't recommend that you do it in your practice. (laughs) You may be looked upon very differently. (laughs) And I don't think you'd be treated very kindly. But think about that. Um, He never repeated the same method twice. Part of it was he knew it was very easy for people to latch on to these methods as the superstition that healed them.
1: He wanted the focus to be that they may see
0: him for who he really was. He's the healer. Long ago to Moses, 1800 years before he showed up on the face of the earth, he spoke through Moses in Exodus 15, I am the Lord that healeth all thy disease. And I believe that to this day. And in my conduct, I've tried often to let people know this is the instrument here is just an empty vessel. <laughs> and it's really just, uh, just a means. But the one doing the healing and the touching is actually Christ. And that's who you ought to look up to for your deliverance. Then comes the story of this woman that has been the focus and will be the focus of, of our conversation for this entire weekend and this seminars, this set of seminars. We don't know who she really was in terms of her background. You know, as physicians, it's always intriguing to try to guess what exactly she had, maybe a bleeding disorder, maybe menorrhagia, maybe something else. It's not very clear. I've read that passage over and over and it's not so clear to me what exactly she had, but that didn't really matter to Christ. Because disease is not a, ma- a match for him at all. And so she comes to him in a way that none of the others seeking for miracles came to him. the others, there was this face-to-face encounter before the healing take pl- takes place. With this woman, healing took place first before even there was an encounter with the master with, with before even Christ can acknowledge him. And I think that's what makes his story very unique. I summarize a few things in whole life that have really, really spoke, spoken to me over the years. Think of our faith.
1: Think of our faith. Here was this man that the elite of the days the educators, the politicians, despised. He had not a home of his own. I'm speaking to you today from the comfort of my house. He had no place to lay his head. He had not done anything that you and I will consider, humanly speaking, a mark of success. He had not built a house.
0: He didn't have a bank account. He didn't have his name on a plaque anywhere in the Hall of Fame of anything else.
1: And this woman looked at him
0: and not only she believed that her healing could come from him, but she truly believed this is the Messiah. This is the son of the living God. This man was God incarnate.
1: I've always wondered, will I have been able to see that in Christ if he should pass me
0: 2,000 years ago? Would I have just seen an ordinary, dusty-looking
1: peasant and maybe completely overlook him? But also think of a persistence. She looked for him up and
0: down. Christ was always on the move. And this is before the world of Uber or cars. It is not just like you could just, you know, um get on a Greyhound and go downtown and find him, or drive your own car and go find him. Christ was constantly on the move she persistently pursued him. And here was she a woman, not allowed often among crowds in this male dominated society.
1: But she finds him. Think of the courage. Not only finds him, but at the risk of being perhaps trampled upon the risk of being, even losing her life. You remember the story of the paralytic
0: by the pool of Bethesda? The comment was when the water shake and was thought to be supernatural, everybody jostled down to the pool. And sadly, some people were trampled upon to death while seeking
1: healing. Imagine her courage. Imagine her sincerity.
0: She touches Christ, and he immediately felt it. Because that was no ordinary touch. He says, the virtue has gone out of me. There were hundreds pressing close, perhaps even thousands. In fact, his disciples almost ridiculed him. Why would you think somebody touched you? There's only a hundred people around you. But he recognized that one touch. This lady who gave her all. Put her all in the faith of someone who perhaps you and I may not have been able to recognize. Seeking healing. 12 years of suffering was too much for her. She needed healing and she had the complete confidence in that peasant from Galilee, that that was the son of the living God and a gratitude after it and a sincerity in, 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 and honesty. She didn't know what Christ was gonna do to her. But she, when Christ said, I need to know who touched me, immediately confessed, falling at her feet is a deceit.
1: What a lesson for all of us. They are waiting for you today. They form lines. And you and
0: I perhaps have been part of these movements. They sometimes stand in those lines for eight hours, 11 hours. They show up before dawn and wait for you.
1: In some of these places I've been to, they are sick of going to the doctors, frankly.
0: Because they've been told the same, sometimes partial truths over and over again, blamed and shamed for their own problems.
1: I had a gentleman that we had uh, an encounter with uh, earlier this year at Loma Linda
0: with a bowel obstruction for four long months. They told her you were going to die, just get TPN, and that's all you're going to live on, vomiting several times every day. He said to me, when we first met, he actually did not tell me that he's already had four months of these symptoms. I asked him how long he's been sick. He says he's been sick for four days. He was afraid to tell me the truth. It was after we came to know each other that he finally confessed and said, you know, I, was, I didn't want to tell you everything because the surgeon threw me out of his office. He said, I have nothing else for you. I don't want you to come back here anymore. How sad. So they wait. They wait for you and I to be that hand extended. They sit, they're tired, they're exhausted. They meet you in your office.
1: Sometimes they walk by you on the side of the road. Sometimes they come. When you call these gatherings for people that are needing medical care to come. The touch doesn't have to be through the knife. You and I underestimate the power of words. You and I underestimate the ability God is able to endow our words with, to heal, to lift up. I've come across many a soul
0: who've been labeled as anxiety, depression, and I'm not making light of those diagnoses. And perhaps there are people that truly could benefit from professional help. But I just wonder, maybe, just maybe, with nearly 10% of our population now on antidepressants, I wonder, maybe, just maybe, some of them may just need a touch and a word of encouragement. Some of them may just need someone to reach out and lift them up and make them feel human. And again, I'm not making light of those diagnoses.
1: But I wonder, maybe,
0: just maybe, God can empower your words, my words, to lift up such a soul.
1: Satan has
0: done what he can to blight the image of God from humans. This was a young man that I met in Malawi, sadly, no longer living with us.
1: Out there in the field, tender age of 14,
0: helping his mom plow the the ground and struck by lightning and burned 70%
1: of his body. They brought him to me in the evening.
0: With not much to, you know, not much to, not much in my hands. And with whatever little we had, we tried the best we can to help him. 70% total body surface area burns. I struggle and struggle with the idea. We took him to surgery multiple times. And one day somebody said, well, you may just want to
1: send him to the burn center. The burn center was
0: in Blantyre one of the big towns in Malawi. I called back three days later just to check on him and see how he's doing this, said he just passed away. I've always wondered, will
1: they think, this is an act of God. God struck him with lightning. What a job you and I have to dispel such darkness, And show the love of God and let them know this is not the kind of God we serve.
0: That is not the kind of God we serve. They come to you looking like this, ravaged by cancer,
1: and they ask, Where is your God?
0: Would you be able to answer that? And say so he came from me, he sent me, sorry. God sent me to you, to minister to you. I've told the story countless times and I'll share it again with you. A story that I'll never forget in the halls of Loma Luna Hospital. Two o'clock in the morning, not usually my best time, even though I stay up a lot. <laughs> it is still a tough time for me in the morning. <laughs> And I strolled into the emergency department. You know, you go through the usual, it's, you know, some days it's almost like routine. You know, you go and, oh, this is who this is and this is what they have and, and on and on and on. And, um, you know, so I, I told her what uh, was gonna happen and, and, you know, explain everything that was gonna happen. And, um, and I was about to walk away. And I says, sir, I need to talk to you. So I turned around and he said, she said, you know, I laid in this bed for the last eight hours
1: and my stomach was hurting so bad. I did not know what to do. They gave me
0: medicines that didn't help me at all. I've never prayed in my life, but somehow I was so desperate. I bowed my head and I prayed. I said, God, if you're there, I want you to send somebody to come help me. He says, I saw you way
1: down the hallway. I didn't know
0: where you were going, but something in my mind just clicked and as if God said, that's the person that I'm sending to come help you. He said, and I saw you come in this way, and I didn't believe it at first, but you came straight to me.
1: He says, I just want to let you know. I felt
0: that your coming was an answer to prayer, literally, because I prayed, and I felt convicted even without knowing where you were headed. I just had that conviction deep within saying you're coming to relieve my
1: suffering. What would your answer be? Would you be
0: an instrument in his hands to dispel the myth and to tell the world when they ask, where is God when it hurts? You say, he sent me. Where is he? He's working through my life and working through your life. So as I started earlier, this was not meant to be a sermon. It's not meant to be a lecture. I hope you've gained inspiration
1: from my testimony. I hope in your ministry, you will not get discouraged.
0: No matter what the devil throws at you, if you're feeling lost, do not be, because God has a place for you.
1: The work at hand is enormous.
0: But God needs you, and he needs me. Thank you so much for spending your time with me in this forum. I will pause now and entertain questions. I was asked to leave a few minutes for questionings. I don't know if you have any questions. Um, you can unmute yourself and ask, or let me see if I can access the, um, the chat. Hello. Hello.
2: I'm a pediatrician. I've been a seventh day Adventist since I was eight. Uh, I'm from El Salvador and I'm struggling to practice pediatrics in this country. Um, everything looks so useless sometimes. Uh, insurances half of the time you're spending time with them instead of the patient. I do talk to God to my patients and I pray for them. But I don't I don't feel like this is the medicine that God wants me to practice. God sent you so I could I could keep on going, I guess. Um, I am planning to do missionary work in Central America. And I'm pr- praying for God to... I have a practice, so I want to sell it. And go and practice medicine the way God, I think, wants me to do it. But I... I, I really do feel overwhelmed um, I appreciate your talk and I hope I'm, I'm praying and see what God is wants me to to do but what you said about God sending us to the world that my uh, That is touching my heart. Thank you.
0: Sister, I want to commend you for your bravery in sharing your testimony with us. I am certain most of my friends and colleagues listening to your story are touched with what you just said and can, and can, we can empathize with you. There are days when the routine feels so mundane and useless. How you find meaning in it is where the question really lies. I wish I can tell you have all the answers. And I'm happy to reach out to you after this, you know, after this meeting uh, to talk some more um, But I've been there. there. In fact, I get there. There are days when I feel exactly like that. Overwhelmed, frustrated, not having all the tools needed to do what I ought to do, or just crowded out to a point where we're not able to share the way we would love to share and practice medicine in a meaningful, touching way. I am there every day. My advice to you, don't despair. You answering the call is already what God is, it's your answer to his call is what he's looking for. Remember, Christ spent three years, three and a half years. Although Luke mentions that when he went through villages, there were entire villages where disease was gone because he went through there. But even after he was gone, there were people that were sick all around. I don't feel that the magnitude of the work is so immense that I think what God is looking for to you and I is a response to him. At the end of the day, what will characterize success may not be 40 baptisms but just by you and I humbling ourselves there are days when he just needs you to do something that looks small and insignificant there are days when he may call upon you and I to do something that is big but what is important is your response not the the totality of what you and I are able to accomplish because indeed it is overwhelming the system is very difficult to navigate through uh, you mentioned insurance. I, 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 I hear that. And um, 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 I share your frustration. I say, do not despair. Thank you. Let me, yeah, let me read this. There is a divinely appointed connection between sin and disease. No physician can practice for a month without seeing this illustrated. I left, this, you know, left a little bit of my talk out for the sake of time. The physician may ignore the fact that his mind may be so occupied with other matters that attention will not be called to it. But if you and I are observing observing and being observing and honest, we cannot help but acknowledge that sin and disease bear to each other the relationship of cause and effect. I'm reading this to let you know, that sometimes it's not the prescription. It's not the surgery. It's the putting them in, it's the enlightenment that then, even if you're not the one that leads them to the foot of the cross, but you sow that seed, that then somebody waters in the future and becomes the light of the gospel.
3: Would it be all right if we took a moment and prayed for Dr. Romero? Absolutely.
0: Would you, would you mind uh, leading us in that prayer, uh, Dr. McMillan?
3: Absolutely. Okay. Dear Father, there are 44 of us on this call right now. And in some way, each of us have, have been where Irma is. But I think she's experiencing this more than any of us right now and I just lift her up to you that you will give her peace and courage and strength that each day will find her closer to your side that you will strengthen her arms give her the resources she needs for the task at hand thank you so much amen
0: amen thank you so much for that prayer Amen. Thank you. I think our time together is up. And I really just want to thank all of you that uh, joined this conversation. I hope and pray that you will allow God
1: to be part of your life. But I mean
0: that in a meaningful way, deliberately putting yourself in his hands to be a light onto the world because he's blessed you and I. And this has to be a place for us to share that light. Thank you again very much. And I'm going to have um, uh, Rebecca and the organizers uh, pass on my email. Please feel free to you know write or, or reach out at my email and cell phone anytime. And uh, uh, we can encourage each other outside of this forum, May God bless you all. Thank you.
3: This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word
1: through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.